morning and welcome to episode 292 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh in New York, New York. And Ben, I am fired up. Why is that? I woke up at four in the morning and watched Breaking Bad and I am now all caught up. Uh-huh. Uh, you, As you know, I have never really been caught up with Breaking Bad. I've been a DVD-only guy, and so I've always been... Uh, they release the DVDs on Netflix like the day that the new season starts, so I'm always like 12 minutes away from being caught up, but I am never actually caught up. Mm-hmm. But I am currently all caught up, and uh, I'm ready to roll. It's fun to catch up with a series just in time for the finale. I've done it. We've had people ask us to talk about Breaking Bad on this show. Have we? Did you I feel know like that, that was you, you, that was you, me. yeah <laughs> that was me? I think. No, no, no. We we have had we have had tweets and emails saying that that they would they would totally tune in if all we did was talk about Breaking Bad. Uh-huh. Um, but that's a it's a tricky thing to do, right? Because yes. you don't people you don't want to spoil it for anybody. People ask us to talk about non baseball stuff, but other people like us because we don't talk about non baseball stuff. So either way. People aren't happy. Do, do you want to? Do you feel like having a like a thirty second Breaking Bad conversation? Okay, <laughs> sure. All right. First, okay, so first we're gonna. There's anybody who doesn't want to. I guess I guess you should skip ahead two minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but should we have a little buffer zone of just dead silence? <laughs> I'll I'll put a timestamp on the on the podcast thing so you know. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Right. Okay. okay let's just. <gasps> <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So, um, so, uh, so here's what I want to know. This is when we get to this point in the show. Anytime I'm watching it, I'm every scene. I'm thinking, okay. So, is this the conclusion for this character, or is there is there more to come for this character? Mm-hmm. And so, it seems like going into the finale, we're gonna obviously we're gonna get Jesse and Uncle Jack and the uh, the, the 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 crazy bug eyed lady, <laughs> and we're gonna get um, we're gonna get more Skyler and and Walt, and we're gonna get more. Uh, Marie, but are we going to get more Walt Jr.? Is Walt Jr.'s story was this his big redemption moment? Uh, I, I, I would. Is the loop the loop closed on him? Do you think? I would guess that he would be in it again. I, I would think that we are finished with Saul at this point. But I think. Yeah, we are finished with Saul. But uh, I don't know. Walt Jr. has has really taken a more pronounced role. In these, in this last half season or so, and has been, has been good at it. Um, so I don't know. I, I think there will certainly be some sort of Walt Skyler interaction, and you would think Walt Jr. would be involved. But if his storyline ends there, that's satisfactory. Do you think that we're going to get resolution on? Skinny Pete and Badger's character arcs, because I'm worried it's a busy show plan. I mean, it's pretty clear they're going to be packed with stuff. I don't, not I don't a show know that, that we're leaves, gonna... It's not a show that leaves a lot of loose ends. Uh, no, but, I'd but... like to see some Skinny Pete resolution. Yeah, I just don't feel like his character is finished. Still working on some Star Trek pilot somewhere, he and Badger. Um, but and we finally we finally got Charlie Rose on the show. I know that's probably <laughs> been a dream of yours to see Charlie. Your your two favorite shows together. <laughs> Right, right. Uh, yeah, I felt like that episode was it was kind of a transition episode uh, yeah. where you had to establish a bunch of things and about how Walt gets to gets to New Hampshire and how you know all this all this stuff aligns for the finale. But it was it was uh, still still quite a quite an affecting episode. 
Although... Yeah, like like The Wire used to put all their big stuff in the penultimate episode mm-hmm. of any season, but uh, this is not that show. This was more like Lost, where you have a, uh, a moving pieces around episode to get everything ready to explode. But in Lost, there's never any resolution. I thought the Lost resolved itself really well. I, I think Lost gets a bad rap. Huh. I feel like... I feel like Lost is almost entirely resolved. There were a couple of things. Uh, one of them, Michael, was out of their control, and I just don't think that they, they, I don't think they wanted to leave that hanging. But it's the nature of making a, a TV show. Uh, yeah, Walt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Michael was his dad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, all right. Well. I felt good. like right, the, so- I felt like the, I felt like the symbolism in this episode was was more. Uh, telegraphed than it usually is. Like usually, I don't I don't pick up on a lot of things in Breaking Bad, and then I read someone's recap, and I I think, wow, that I didn't even notice that shot that was a callback to some other shot, or that was a metaphor for something. Um, in this episode, it sort of felt I, I I don't know, it felt kind of on the nose a little bit, or just like the Heisenberg had, and and everyone kind of being in their little prisons in separate places and the wedding ring and you know all of these very very blatant uh signs of things or mirroring of other characters not having robert forster cut the cards <laughs> yeah <laughs> right uh-huh. uh two, two kings yeah um do you want to make any predictions for for finale i don't i don't um uh... I don't. You can't predict Breaking Bad. <laughs> Hashtag YCPBB. That's what I, uh-huh. what I would say. Okay. So we talked about TV. You can't predict bad, Susan. That's what I'm saying. Right. All right. Uh, so what do you want to talk about today? Scott Boris and his idea for the World Series. And I want to talk about uh, Pettit and Manny Ramirez and Alex Rodriguez. Okay. What's Scott Boris's idea for the World Series? Uh, Scott Boris suggested that the first two games of the World Series be played at a neutral site. Uh, so his idea is that it would be sort of like the Super Bowl, like in a you know in a warm weather city, uh, not a home city for either of the teams in the series, and then it would kind of be, it would almost be like a second All Star game. Uh, and that it would roll in lots of other things. All the players would be there like they are at the All-Star Game and at the Home Run Derby. You could even move the Home Run Derby to the World Series time so that players wouldn't be concerned about ruining their swings for the second half. Um, and that it would become, you know, a, a TV event or a, a draw for for people in cities other than the ones that have representatives in the series. And, uh, you know, that it would generate interest and reverse declining ratings. Um, and I wanted to get your your thoughts on that. Um, I kind of, I, I, I like that, that Scott Boris is a big idea man. You know, like you always feel like he has an angle. Like when he talks about, you know, the draft or the CBA or something, you can't really tell whether he's genuinely concerned about players' welfare or yeah. whether he's also partially concerned about you know his his cut of the bonuses or whatever it is mm-hmm. uh in this case i don't know that that there's really a, an angle in it for him um yeah i my as soon as you started talking about forest the first thing that 
that I thought of was that he is he is kind of transitioning from uh, into this. It, I like that Boris is transitioning into this kind of um, pa- I don't know patriarch of the game or like like a, he's becoming a wise old man of the game mm-hmm. instead of like instead of all of his quotes being just sort of you filter them through the what does Boris get out of it mm-hmm. thing. It feels like more and more he's just going around uh, you know giving his prescriptions for the game and and they. They tend to make sense, it seems like. I, and so now I wonder if Boris is going to have like a... When Boris is, you know, 70, do you think he's going to be commissioner? Do you think there's yeah, any was, chance that Boris is ever commissioner? I was I was going to suggest that. It, it's possible. I, I don't know whether... I mean, you'd have to have the support of the owners, and I'm sure there are a lot of owners who aren't big fans of Scott Boris, so uh, that that could be an obstacle. Um, mm. But I could see some some support for that. Owner? Do you think you would? Could you see him being an owner? Uh, sure, sure. That would be that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wouldn't be the first agent to be an owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as to this specific thing, uh, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I well, geez, am I? Is Boris gonna push me into like a traditionalist stance? <laughs> this is my. Am I gonna make my first ever? This is the way we've always done it. <laughs> argument. Well, we just talked about TV for the first time. I uh, I feel like the home field, uh, the the home crowd in the World Series is irreplaceable. I don't, I you know, I don't, I don't think that anyone who would be in a neutral park would care that much. And some people would travel. You'd have, mm-hmm. I guess it. I mean, the, the, I guess it works in football. But are people going to travel for baseball? Yeah, and and there's the there's the possibility, I guess, that a team could. Uh, could never play a home game in the series, right? If it, right? You, I mean, if you play, yeah. Depending on, I, I mean, I guess the two games would be together in that place. You wouldn't play one there and then go somewhere else and come back there. Um, so that's that's kind of a problem, and uh, and and the whole idea of generating interest or increasing ratings. I mean the. The explanation that's often given for why baseball's TV ratings have declined or are are lower than other sporting events, just I mean, in addition to the the fact that ratings for everything are lower because of the the splintering of the audience, it's that baseball uh, supposedly is a regional game and that each each fan base watches its own team and then if that team isn't in the playoffs that fan base hasn't been watching the teams that are all season and maybe doesn't know those players so well and can't keep up with that team and has no reason to to keep watching necessarily unless they're just big fans of baseball in general. Whereas in football, uh, so many games are nationally televised. There's one game a week for each team. You can, you can follow everything and fans of, of one team will watch all the other teams or, or keep up with all the other teams. And that seems like, the big reason why the Super Bowl is such a draw is that, you know, it's not just the two teams that are playing in it. It's everyone knows those teams well and knows those players and has some interest in seeing them play. Whereas in baseball, if you just you keep everything else the same and then just add these two warm weather neutral sites, it doesn't seem like it would generate that much interest outside of still the two cities that are playing in it i mean it it i'm sure they'd be sellouts i'm sure people would travel from both places and 
you know, it would be kind of a cool event, I guess, but I, it doesn't seem like it would be that much of a, a brand builder on first blush to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it doesn't feel like it would be, I'm trying to think of what if Boris would have any interest in the, any self-interest yeah. in this. It's hard to imagine. I mean, in, in, unless huh. it is positioning himself as that, that role that we were just talking about as, as some sort of future leader or, or wise old man of baseball. Yeah. But as far as I'm, his profit margins go, it doesn't seem like it. It just sort of seems like, like a pet idea he has, right? Like yeah. he was probably, he was probably watching the world series and thought this is boring and not as big as it could be or something like that. I, the idea of having, um, like a home run derby or really anything that doesn't count in the world series feels like it would water things down. If you mm-hmm. just turn it into a, into a carnival, mm-hmm. then, I mean, it, it feels to me, and and I, 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 we're, we're going off sport here, but it's always felt to me that the Super Bowl is, in a lot of ways, less, uh, less interesting as a football game than the NFC and AFC championships are, that basically the exciting games are, the you know, two weeks before the Super Bowl, and then the Super Bowl is this insane, massive party that everybody watches, but uh, the, the game is not that big a deal, and in a lot of ways, you remember the teams in it more than you remember who wins. And that seems like, if, if that's true, which it might not be, but it seems like that might be hand-in-hand uh, hand with the fact that you have two weeks of, you know, junkets and parties and fake news stories and real news stories and autograph sessions and parties and guacamole ads and, and everything. It's, it's, it, uh, the game is just wrapped up into this festival. Mm-hmm. Um it's not driving necessarily the, the, the tension and the world series. It feels like right now the tension comes from the game. The tension, it is tense. The, I mean, I feel tense before a world series, uh, starts before this, the game start. And it mm-hmm. feels like if you had a home run derby the day before it would water it down to me. So mm-hmm. I guess that's why, but I mean, you know, goodness gracious, any, any idea that, um, that, uh, that I'm defending on traditions grounds. Uh, she probably deserves at least another another mm. thought. I like cold weather playoff baseball. I do too. I like it way way more. Yeah. I like seeing I like seeing the, the, the I like seeing Robinson Cano uh, you <laughs> know, like he's robbing a bank. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, I I like that too. I yeah. I, do, I don't like precipitation. I don't like having the game rained out mm-hmm. and they announce it at ten in the morning because they know there's going to be rain in Detroit. Um, that sucks, but mm-hmm. the, the coldness is a huge part of it. And, uh, I, I don't think that, uh, Joe Buck's voice goes with warm weather. I think Joe Buck's voice goes great in, in crisp autumn air. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it would, it doesn't go well in summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently Boris also suggested that some of the revenue that was generated could go to another idea he has, which is a, a pension fund for minor leaguers. Mm-hmm. Um, which again seems like an idea that he doesn't really get anything out of. Uh, it's just a, a pet cause of his. Mm-hmm. So, so not not everything he does and says is motivated by money. We ought to offer him a column, Ben. <laughs> sure, sure, he'd take <laughs> us up on that. He's probably got. He could. It could be like a three dot column. It could just be like. Like you know, like musings about his wife <laughs> and like the the his drive to work and uh-huh. like what he thought of Downton and ha- <laughs> how he would how he would fix uh, minor league baseball mm-hmm. one sentence at a time. <laughs> All right. 
Um, Andy Pettit is uh, going to be eligible for the Hall of Fame in five years, and, and I just wanted to uh, I wanted to get you to rank his chances of making the Hall of Fame with two other steroid users. Uh, steroid users. They're not steroid users. Uh, PED users. Mm-hmm. PED uh, implicated players. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I wanted to know who you think gets the most votes of the three of them. Okay. Um, and one is Andy Pettit. The other is Manny Ramirez, who seems unlikely to play again uh, in the majors. And the third is Alex Rodriguez. And they are all very different players, three different tiers of players. If there was never any such thing as a PED, we would uh, we would not be able to debate this. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also have three different tiers of implication. And sort of exactly in, uh, in uh, the opposite uh, direction as their, their skill level. Yeah. So, uh, so who gets the most uh, Hall of Fame votes and who gets the fewest? And uh, I guess if you have any uh, explanation for how much the PEDs weigh in and how much the performance weighs in, you can say that, but maybe the way you rank them will, will tell us that. Uh, okay. I guess I will say that A-Rod gets the fewest Wow. Um, it's like the 12th best player in history. It's crazy. I know. I know. Well, it's not but, crazy. It's, it's but even crazy. just looking at looking at people who haven't had any proven link and have still not gotten much support because of, of suspicions or rumors or having happened to play at, at the time that other PED people were playing – and then you figure that there's a very good chance that he will be suspended, that all of the details about his use and other nefarious activities will come out. Uh, obviously not a not a particularly well-liked player even before the latest allegations surfaced. You, I, the only thing that makes me think that he might get more is that there's, there's a... A certain contingent of Hall of Fame voters, and maybe it's growing, that will just vote purely based on stats, uh, and that contingent will will vote for him over other either of the other two guys. But yeah, Clemens and Vaughn's got thirty seven percent, basically. Yeah, but so you do you think you'd have to but, first decide whether A Rod has a harder road than them? I think he and does. Secondly, whether Pettit will top that. Yeah, I, I think he has a, a harder road just because there are there were some people I think who voted for Bonds and Clemens because they didn't officially test positive and maybe some of the stuff they did was before there was an official policy in baseball. Uh, and I think some of those people think differently about players who were caught doing things after that policy was in place. And, and so I, I think that that could cost him more than those guys. Uh, it's, and, yeah. and I don't think, yeah, I don't think that that's not, I mean, when you and I did our hypothetical, would we do steroids uh-huh. episode, uh, if we'd been, you know, living in 1999 or playing in 99, you know, I, it is different. One, it is, not, yeah, sure. not, not, not just because of the policy changed, but because if, if, if the playing field is essentially one in which a large portion of people are, are doing this and you feel like that's the only way to compete, it's very easy to rationalize it in your mind as just that's that's part of what you do. Mm-hmm. You wake up early, you work out, you eat nutritiously, you uh, do some steroids, you 
you do what everybody does to stay competitive. Yeah. But A-Rod was cheating at a time when most guys were not cheating. Yeah. Presumably, I mean, if all this holds up. Mm-hmm. And that does feel like ratty, ratty, ratty behavior. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a totally different thing. I mean, he was really, like, like you could make, the, most writers, I think, are, are saying that these players who cheated in, like, the 90s and the early 2000s, they were cheating us, they were cheating, you know, they, they were cheating, you know, the country, they mm-hmm. didn't have honor or whatever, but they weren't quite cheating each other in a, in if you believe kind of their mindset i mean the way that they a lot of players describe it is like well you just felt like everybody was doing it and you had to do what you had to do um whereas arod was cheating his his play i mean he was cheating his colleagues he was mm-hmm. he, he was a snake mm-hmm. or i guess that's the way to spin it mm-hmm. right um so yeah I, I don't see him getting much sympathy and it's kind of a shame because as i think i've said on the podcast he's I mean, I think he's the best player I've I've ever seen in person regularly or watched firsthand often. And if I were going to go to a museum of baseball where you read about the best players ever, I would I'd want to see him there. Um, even even if you acknowledge all the all the bad stuff, I would you know want him to be represented in some way. But uh, as for the other two guys, I think. I think Pettit might have a better chance than Manny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think Pettit should be a Hall of Famer, and I don't think he will be a Hall of Famer. I can't think of... I don't know how many people will vote against him or not vote for him because of the the HDH thing. It seems to be so far from, from people's minds in his case. Um, you know, for whatever reason, whether it was because it was a while ago or because he's a nice guy and he talks to the media and everyone likes him or because he said it was a one-time thing and never had any other connection. People have largely forgotten about that, it seemed, or never gave him a particularly hard time about it. You'd, you'd like to think that if there are people just voting no on anyone who was implicated on PEDs for that reason, that that they would include Pettit to be consistent. Um, but I don't know that they all would. Uh, and and Manny, clearly a, a better player and statistically a, a much more deserving Hall of Famer. But again, he's he's what a, he's a multiple offender, right? I can't even yeah. keep track of, of who's been suspended how many times, but he's yeah. he was suspended under the, the JDA and... and you know the same, sort of the same thing as a Rod, but with less—I uh, don't know—less shadiness about it, or less uh, rumors about how he obstructed investigations and implicated other players. But, but as far as failing tests and and doing it multiple times and not being particularly contrite about it, um, that's that's Manny just as much as it is a Rod. So. It's so hard to predict Hall of Fame results now, but I guess the the most predictable thing in the last couple of years seems to be that guys with really strong PED ties are are not going to get in. Um, so here's my here's my theory for why people won't hold it against Pettit, uh, and it's that they don't think of him as a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And if they did think of him as a Hall of Famer, they would they would hold. It's like it's almost it's this weird decision tree where if you if you the first question is, you know, was he good enough to be in the Hall of Fame? 
And if the answer is yes, then it's because he was on steroids. And if the answer is no, then you don't hold the steroids again. I'm using steroids to catch up. But you don't yeah. use the steroids against him, but he's still not a Hall of Famer. Like, mm -hmm. either way, you can't get in. Mm -hmm. Like, one way, one way or the other. So if, if Pettit had won 60 more games, then he, the, the PEDs would be a big deal. But since they didn't, they're not a big deal. It's the mm -hmm. very, very weird way of, of compartmentalizing the, mm -hmm. the morality of this. I mean, I, I feel like primarily what, um, what makes us respond strongly to certain players is that they're performing too good. And we don't want to, I mean, we want to appreciate what they're doing and we can't. And so we hold it against them. And so Pettit never rose to that level. But Pettit never rose to that level. And so, uh, you know, I think there will be talk about how he's borderline. But, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't mind a vote for him on performance standards. I, I mm -hmm. think that he's as, he's as good a pitcher as, as, you know, Todd Helton was a position player. Mm -hmm. And we were both kind of on the fence for that guy. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I don't think that he has widespread support for his performance. My guess is that if there was never a PED on his record, he would get probably 12% of the vote. And fall off, and my guess is that he will get twelve percent of the vote and fall off. I wonder. Well, I, he won't fall off at twelve. I mean, there are worse pitchers who have gotten much more support. And yeah, and better and, and he, better pitchers. He didn't have the. He doesn't have the. the he doesn't have the. He seems the, the, uh, the, the ace. He doesn't have the ace sheen. He doesn't have the hardware. He doesn't have. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, I guess so. Um, I, I mean, Musina. Musina gets in. Musina deserves to be in way before Pettit does, and nobody's mm -hmm. really taking Musina seriously. I don't think. I David Cohn got four <laughs> percent. I will take Musina seriously. You uh, will, but I don't. I don't get the feeling that Musina's got a, a walk in. Dave, I think David Cohn was a better pitcher, and he got four percent. Mm. I mean, certainly Kevin Brown was a better. I mean, Kevin Brown was a considerably better pitcher, and he fell off the ballot. But maybe that's just because he's wasn't liked, and it's the era. I don't know. Yeah. Uh... I don't know if Cohn was better than Pettit. I, well, at his peak maybe, but I don't know about career length. Um, but I could have imagined, I mean, even in New York, and I haven't really read all the articles that came out when Pettit announced his retirement again, but you would think that he'd be a guy that some of the local columnists would make a case for, and I, maybe some of them have, I don't know, but I haven't seen any. Uh, but you would think, you know, just based on the wins and all the postseason experience and, and you know, 20 win seasons or whatever. And uh, I, I don't know if, I mean, why why Jack Morris and not him? Is it the opening day starts? The, the fact that he doesn't have one playoff game that was amazing but had many that were very good? Uh, I don't know. Um why Jack Morris is is an eternal question. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard to say, but <laughs> I feel like I, Pettit has sort of the one, same. Jack Morris, he has five top five Cy Young finishes, uh -huh. and so I mean, at least like I'm not saying that he he's not he's not a Hall of Fame candidate. Morris is not a Hall of Fame candidate because he has those, but those two things correlate. It's the same guys voting, right? Although well, what is Pettit, Pettit has four, one, two, three, four. Yeah, he plus does, a yeah. plus a number six. Yeah, he does. Well, Morris has a seven and a nine and, mm. and all that. But yeah, you're right. Okay, so Pettit, so Pettit did get some love, although, yeah, all right, maybe. Shoot, I don't know. He feels like, I don't know, he feels like this guy who has all right, this ben, ben. sort of aura of, 
of pitching to the score and it's the it's the daily bet ben it's the daily prediction what do we call it uh do we ever call it something i don't know <laughs> all right uh how what give me andy pettit's uh hall of fame vote total or vote percentage in his first years. first year of eligibility first year all right uh 21 all right i'll say 13 okay <laughs> i am shocked to see andy pettit's postseason performance level it's good it's like as good as his regular season isn't it with, with uh, tougher it's, competition it's, it is it's i mean you know huzzah to him i'm i just am i had the feeling that it was much better than that i'm i'm surprised that it's as low as it's not i mean he he did great he it, it he should be able to cash that in to some degree mm-hmm. but like kurt schilling's yeah it's, uh it's is bad. like much much better right than his regular level wasn't it Yes, uh, I think so. So but... I, I always, I always thought of Pettit and Schilling and John Smoltz as the three guys who were like postseason dominant and like really had that reputation and could take that to the bank. And Schilling's postseason ERA is two two three, mm-hmm. and Pettit's is three eight. And yeah, so that's a big difference. Well, Pettit has twice Smoltz, as many innings. Smoltz at... two six seven. I mean, Pettit has has well over a season of postseason innings. I don't, how, I don't how many? What, Smoltz has 209. Uh, Pettit has 276. Um, and I don't know what to what to do with that, really, with him. Because uh, I can see why you would count it towards his case that he's pitched well over a full season in, in, that, in that environment. But at the same time, I don't know. Do you, do you, do you count that? You don't do you hold it against him that he you know was just on the Yankees at a time when they were amazing for his entire career and and got a chance to to pitch those innings. Well, no, it's I mean I I don't know that I give him a ton of extra credit for how many innings it is, but I give him I give I mean I count that he pitched those innings and they he pitched them well. I count it more than I would count regular season performance. I mean, if you add that to his that's true. Total, you add that to his total. That's. You know, if he's a borderline guy without that, then you add all of that. That's that could be the difference. I don't, I don't know whether to whether I would push him over based on having all of those opportunities, but uh, he he contributed that value. Well, Ben, we'll settle this in five years. Okay. All right. We done. I'm done. Okay. Uh, send us emails at podcast at baseballperspectus.com and we will get to them in a couple days.